Let me ask you to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 1, and we are going to be in this portion of, of Scripture uh, throughout Advent as we look at some of what are called the songs uh, of some of those that were surrounding the birth. They are, they are prayers, they are uh, worship of uh, the God that they had an encounter with, and so we're going to be looking at those for these next several weeks. Uh, We will pick up with verse 26 uh, in chapter 1 of Luke, so let's stand for the reading of God's Word. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's bow together. Lord, will you help us in these moments not to be uh, numbed by familiarity with this passage? but help us instead to realize the impact of this moment upon Mary, upon us. And will you cause your spirit to teach us of that? The same spirit that gave her her song. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Be seated.
Well, I think it could probably go without saying that Mary is often misunderstood in her role in terms of Christianity. So before we get into this passage and get into her song, let's deal with that elephant in the room, uh, which may or may not be one for you. But some of you have come out of backgrounds where she had a very different role than we typically speak of her as. So where's the misunderstanding come from? Uh, in Luke 1, verse 28, it says, uh, uh, he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. This is in the English Standard Version. And the angel uh, said to her, Do not be afraid. This is verse 30, Mary, for you have found favor with God. There is a big dispute about this and much of it starts, at least, with the language that's actually used. Now, let's see what's said about her here. Uh, the controversy goes back especially to the translation from the Latin Vulgate. So if you'll get out your Latin Vulgate Bibles and... No, don't, don't bother with that. I will just quote it to you. Uh, and some of you would know this portion by memory. Verse 28, what it says in that Vulgate, which, by the way, was the Latin version, goes back to the 4th century and became the, the official uh, Bible and translation of the Roman Catholic Church uh, back then and for a great deal of time. But that verse 28 says this, Hail Mary, full of grace. Now, does that sound familiar to some of you? Of course it does. And so some have looked at that and looked at what she says about people remembering her down through the generations and those kinds of things that we will look at today. And they see an angel evidently saying, Hail Mary, full of grace, and the implication and the theology that was built upon that, wrongly so, was that she was the one that had grace and became the dispenser of grace, and so she was elevated by some to a place of virtual worship and even virtually being a co-redemptress. And that's a mistake. It's wrong. It's not scriptural. And so let's start with what that verse actually says. The better translation is along the lines of uh, what the English Standard Version or any of the versions that you're going to have here today would, would say it's just a greeting. Uh, hail was just a greeting, and it, it, it doesn't even need to be do that. It can be greetings. It can be hello. It can be, hey, Mary. 
That's basically all it's saying there. And to imply that it was, uh, that was a statement of worship is a complete misunderstanding of the Scripture at that point. So they would see her as having immeasurable grace in and of herself. And we will see that, that that's not true. In fact, she understood fully that she was a sinner. That's why it was hard for her really to understand why she would have a role like she was being called to. So the angel's message to her simply said that God has freely chosen you, and because he chose you, you're blessed and you're favored. And by the way, that's always the case. It's not because of what we do. It's because of what he does and initiates with us. In other words, Gabriel had such an expression because before God, uh, Mary was unworthy in her own strength. She was a sinner and sinners need grace. And that's what we will see with her. So the reason I decided to read this portion, and we haven't even read Mary's song yet, which is what uh, uh, the, the ultimate part of this message will be about, is for us to uh, really grasp the impact of her song, of what she was, how she was worshiping God at that point. We've got to see what is leading up to it, and we've got to see the circumstances that were going on in her life that some would say she had real problems at that point, but it helps us appreciate uh, her words in her song and in her worship. And I think we'll learn much from listening to her. So first of all, let's think about her circumstances. Uh, she was engaged. She was betrothed is the word here. Uh, verse 27, in the sixth month, uh, verse 26 rather, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. So Jewish marriage at, at that point was a, a two-stage process. Uh, the first stage was the Kiddushin. Uh, now, the second stage was the marriage ceremony itself, and uh, it could go on for a week. Uh, it was a, a really big deal. I almost hesitate to throw that out there for uh, you girls who are looking forward to a marriage someday. That's not an example. That's just what they did, okay? Uh, but it was a really big deal. But the betrothal the, was a big deal as well as it, it still is in terms of engagement. But, but let, me, let me explain. Um, yeah, during the Kiddushin, it was a 12-month period. And it was a legally, they entered into a legally binding contract. And if during that time, uh, either of the parties, the, the young man or young woman, uh, violated 
the vows or the, the nature of that contract, if they were unchaste, the only way to get out of that was a divorce. Even though they, had, they weren't living together, they weren't having marital relations uh, during those 12 months, but that's how it was looked at. Well, that's what was going on uh, with Mary. They were legally husband and wife already, even though they had no physical relationship. But that would be the, the natural hope of every couple, to go through these 12 months and look forward to that great celebration and marriage and then life after that. That would have been Mary's hope. That would have been her dream. But instead of that in engagement, instead of it fulfilling a, a hope, th that dream is, is virtually shattered by the announcement to her from the angel. Now that left her with another circumstance. And that circumstance was she was pregnant in a small town. Verse 34, Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? The angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy the Son of God. So here's Mary hearing this. No one had ever heard anything like that. Mary is innocent, but who would believe it? It had never happened before. Why would they believe it? The announcement, Mary would be a virgin mother of a divine child. If she had been jolted by, by the angel say, saying, you found favor with God, think what a jolt that announcement must have been. What a shock it must have been. And how, uh, as a, a normal human being, she must have thought, that's favor with God. Mary knew there was only one way to conceive a child. She knew that she had not had a marital relationship. She attested that to the angel. We can reasonably assume that, that Mary had, had dreamed of going through her betrothal, dreamed of going through the, the marriage ceremony, and then at some point after that, conceiving a, a child or children, having a family and raising a family. And all of that was changed in that moment. Instead, her first child, her first pregnancy, as far as her town was concer concerned, she was going to bear an illegitimate child. So her dream, again, is shattered. Now, all these circumstances uh, were compounded because Mary was a woman of faith. Now, you might say, well, why is that compounded? Doesn't that make it better? Well, let me explain why I think it actually 
compounds it. Because as a woman of faith, she had standards. She knew that, that God is, is good, and we will, we will see that she had a good understanding theologically, biblically, but those things outwardly are, are one thing and, and don't always necessarily fit with our circumstances. Now, if you say, well, there's no God, then you can say, well, I'm just unlucky. Or these are crummy circumstances, but you, you don't have to go farther than that other than maybe become bitter over them. But when you are a person of faith, a woman of God or a man of God, like Mary was, then you have more questions that are going to come about. Well, if, if God is good, and this is my calling here, how do these circumstances fit with his goodness and his grace? And it's hard to see sometimes. Sometimes it's impossible to see how they fit together. But a person of faith always has to go back to those kinds of questions. Look at what Mary said that indicates her faith. Verse 38, it says, And Mary said, Behold, I'm a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So here's Mary basically hearing all of this. Imagine what her mind must have been going through. But she then says, look, here's, here's what I do know. I'm, I'm a servant of God. And if this is God, what you want from me, I'll take it. And evidently, the angel was okay with that because he then departed. That was the end of that part of their conversation. Now, it's easy to say that, but it's hard to live that out. But quietly, modestly, submissively, she saw herself as a servant of the Lord. You might say, okay, but how did she really feel? Was she tempted to rebel or to, uh, or to boast that she was chosen or to express disappointment? We don't know. What we do know is what her actions were, what her words were, and her actions and her words were right. By calling herself a servant of the Lord, Mary was showing that she somehow grasped that she was called to these circumstances. She didn't even know the full impact of what they would be. But she fully understood they weren't going to be easy early on. And she didn't even know what was coming after that. So does it make a difference if we, if we are convinced that whatever we're going through is a part of God's plan for us, is a part of his, his providence, and his providence for his people is always good for us? Does it make a difference? The answer is it absolutely makes a difference. 
I've seen people both ways. I've seen those who, who don't trust in Christ, who don't know God, who say, well, this just must be karma. I must be getting punished for something I did earlier. Or who have a warped view of God who say, well, he's getting back at me now because of I, I did this or I did that. But when one is really trusting, it doesn't necessarily change your circumstances. But it can give us a different view of them and know, okay, I wouldn't have chosen this. I I maybe don't even like the direction I have to go or the direction I'm in right now. But if, God, you are calling me to that then I'll walk through it. Because whether I can know it or not, it must be what's best for me. That makes a difference when we can get to that point. Rather than thinking I'm just unlucky or I'm a victim of uh, this universe playing tricks on me. So let's get to Mary's song. And uh, you, you might have noticed uh, the elaborate outline there. Uh, I actually started to do an outline, and it ended, it, it, the outline ended up just being ver- the, the verses all one after another. I thought, well, that's silly. I don't have to do that. Uh, because this one, and I'm not promising for the future songs that we're going to look at in the next few weeks, but, but this one at least... Uh, it, it wouldn't have been the best way to present uh, Mary's song. We need to look at it as a whole and then pull out what she is emphasizing. Now, Mary's song, you, you might have seen the, the title in the uh, worship guide, The Magnificat. And that is uh, simply, now we'll go back to the Latin Vulgate again, but it's, uh, that is just the first word of her song, which is uh, magnifies. And she says, my soul magnifies. And so they named this song the Magnificat. So here's, uh, given all these circumstances, here is what this woman of faith then said, prayed, worshiped. It says, and Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant, for behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed, for he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arms. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy 
as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. Now, one of the first questions that could be asked is, well, where, where did Mary get this song? We know that she was a young girl. How, how do you, she'd not been to, to college or seminary or, you know, done all the kinds of studies or anything like that, and yet look at the theology here. Look at the understanding of the Scripture. And so because of that, some have said, well, Luke must have just inserted that, that this would have been a good thing for her to, to say at this point. And, and, and some have said, yeah, Luke or somebody else just put that in, and it's beautiful, but that wouldn't have been Mary's response. Well, that's ignoring the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the doctrine of the inspiration. It already had said that... Uh, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Why should we think that the Holy Spirit just uh, came upon her so that the child was conceived and the Holy Spirit went away or anything like that? I'm convinced that God gave her these words. God brought to her mind the Scripture that these words reflect as well from the Old Testament did she know of those? Perhaps, but certainly God put that song together for his own glory. And then we see this about this song. It's not about her circumstances. Now, notice how different that may be from some of our prayers. And I'm, I'm going to say, even when we send out uh, prayer requests during the week uh, on Engage. I hope you, you pray for those things as they come out. But typically, they are going to be requests, lists of requests. And we don't every time take time to acknowledge who God is and his greatness and all that. But don't forget to do that. Don't get in the habit of just being an asker who just has all these, this list that you want to ask God for and then you leave him alone and you don't address him beforehand. She's just gone through this and heard about, uh, she knows her own circumstances. She would have had every right to say, Lord, what, what's going on? How am I going to get through this? Please be with me and all of that. She, she could have done any of that and we would have said, yep. That's, she, was, she was human. Of course she would say those things. But instead, it, she doesn't talk about her circumstances. She talks about God's attributes, who he is, his holiness, his might, his strength, his protection, his justice, his grace, that's her response in light of all of the things that she has just been told. It's not about her. It's about God and the work of God. People will call her blessed, but it's not because of 
the great thing that she will do, as some have misinterpreted, but because of the work of God in a humble servant. So rather than call her the blessed Virgin Mary, and I'm not picking at saying that, but maybe the nuance should be the blessed Virgin Mary, which focuses, instead of on her attributes, it focuses on God who put out the blessing on her. The other thing we need to see about this is that she addresses God, but it doesn't change her circumstances. The first line of the Magnificat, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. If anyone would would question whether she was a sinner in need of a Savior, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, she knew that. She spoke of God, my Savior. She knew she was a humble sinner and needed a Savior. After Jesus' birth and Mary's encounter with the shepherds, we read this. It says in Luke 2.19, But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Treasured there means valued. Pondering them. She didn't ignore them. They were there, but if they were there from God, they're there to be treasured. If Mary had hoped for a quiet life, enjoying her husband, her children, eventually her children's children, that dream never came true. Instead, Mary saw her son grow up. She saw him be rejected by his siblings, his own family, his own town. She saw his rise in popularity. She also saw him get arrested. She witnessed him being falsely accused. She saw him being falsely convicted. She watched while he was publicly tortured. She watched while he was humiliated, while he was crucified, the most shameful death execution of that time. If that isn't bad enough to consider, ask yourself, what, what, what if that was my child and I had to watch all of that? Mary faced what most would in this life consider a life of worry, uncertainty, conflict, potential embarrassment, unfulfilled dreams for herself and for her family. But let me point out the last time we see her mentioned in the Scripture. It's in Acts 1, uh, chapter 1, verse 14. And in that verse, that's after the 
the crucifixion, it's after the resurrection, it's after the ascension of Jesus, and it's before the Holy Spirit is poured out, and it says this, all these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. Her focus was upon the Lord Jesus Christ as her Savior. She pondered those things in her heart, and I would have to ask myself and ask us, what is it that God wants us to ponder in our heart? There's been a lot of loss during this time, during the time of covid A lot of you have given up a lot of things. You've lost things, both tangible and and things like uh, peace of mind and peace of heart. And then all the while during this time, life goes on and, and many have experienced other kinds of loss. We need to know this as we ponder that. Nothing you experience in life is wasted when you know it's from God. Nothing we experience is wasted when it comes from a good and loving God who only does what is best for his children. Whether we can figure it out or not, we know that that is true. So my hope and your hope is the very same hope that Mary had, and that is Christ. Mary is not the hero of this story. The hero of this account is God, her Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's bow together. Lord, will you help us to look more upon God our Savior, the Lord Jesus, than we look upon our circumstances. And rather than than judge what kind of God you are by looking at what we're going through, will you help us to judge what we're going through and consider it and treasure it and ponder it because of the kind of God you are. We can only do this if you enable us. By your grace, we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.